Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is sponsored by AppSec Phoenix, the next generation application security platform, enabling organizations to run application security programs in a smart way. Visit www.appsecphoenix.com to learn more. Hello and welcome back. This is another part of the WASP series and application security focused event. I really hope you enjoy application security as much as I do. If not, uh, skip all the two other episodes. But this session is with a friend, Jim Manico, owner of Manico Security and organizing a Lokomoko uh, security conference in Hawaii. Jim is a good friend, is a person with an enormous positive energy, a person with an enormous knowledge. And usually this mix of people tend to be all over your face. And one of the amazing characteristics of Jim is, despite him being very knowledgeable, he's very approachable, he's very humble, is down to earth, and is a guy that you just, you want you want it as your friend. I've been honored to meet him, to talk to him, and to today have it in the podcast. And he's a very crazy guy. <laughs> so the episode has gone a little bit crazy with Crossbow and going all medieval on application security. And it's really, really fun. So I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast as much as I did to to, to realize it. And I'd like to thank also Zoe, my co-host, because she's been fantastic during this past season and upcoming one. Thank you very much. Enjoy, Jim Manico. Hello, hello, hello. Do we have Jim and we have Zoe on the call? Hello, Can't Francesco. Speak. <laughs> hello, Francesco. How are you doing, guys? Doing great. I'm ready for, I'm ready for the battle here. We need to comment this because we're not going to have the video. So I'd, I'd like everybody to to know that Jim is in a full medieval and crossbow for this. And go full medieval on application security. <laughs> That's it's, enough for the record. The symbolism is the battle against legacy software, Francesco. Oh, I love that. I love that. That should be that should be the, your new 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 profile picture. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, to be clear, so, though, you know, um, AppSec is about strategy, not tactic, despite what might be implied by the crossbow. Just putting that out there, right, Jim? Sure. Well, so you, got, you, got, you got your strategy and you got your taxes. I think you need a little bit of both. I'm a little in, the, a little in tactical mode. I'm a little in tactical mode today, but we'll, we'll see. We'll talk. I promise we'll talk strategy. Good. I, I think I think we need to talk both ends because we need tactical solution and a lot of, a lot of the clients that I work with is tactical solution. But before we dive in, in AppSec, I know everybody is, is keen. Let me let me introduce everybody. Actually, let's let's do a round of introduction. Jim, do you want to start and then Zoe and then myself? Sure. Uh, my name is Jim Manico. I'm the interviewee for today. Uh, I've been a, a member of the OWASP Foundation for a little more than a decade, and I'm a application security enthusiast. This is a, a topic, it's my job, it's my passion. I have a lot of fun doing it. And I've been writing software my whole life. And I think that insecure software is becoming one of the most damaging problems facing modern society. So 
You know, I've dedicated my career to teaching developers how to write secure code. That's me in a nutshell. And you're owner of a security company, security training consultancy company called Manical Security, right? Yep. I'm the founder. Just know for the record. Yeah, I'm the founder and the primary educator of Manicode Security. It's my, um, it's my company. And I have a, a host of different educators who, who travel the world and deliver secure coding education from a variety of different specialties. And fantastic entertainment when you're on the stage. <laughs> and Zoe, go ahead. Um, I'm Zoe Braderman. I chair the OWASP Women in AppSec Committee, and I've been involved in you know, several OWASP initiatives and projects and conferences, and I am an independent consultant and educator. And I'm your host, Francesco Cipollone. I'm heading up the security consultancy NSC42, as well as the Cloud Security Alliance for UK and Ireland. And I'm more than an application security enthusiast. I'm an application security uh, survivor. Let's go it this way. <laughs> so I say we started with what was the most painful application security element that you face in Jim? I mean, I think clearly the most painful problem in application security is handling the problem of legacy software. You know, we all have software, the some of it that was built 10 to 20 years ago that still serves a critical function. And having to go back to what's probably really insecure software, insecure processes around it, maybe it's not even being developed anymore, but it still serves a critical function. Having to go back and remediate vulnerabilities of a legacy code base is expensive, it's painful. There's no quick fix. It just takes a mammoth amount of time and re-engineering to bring legacy software up to par with modern security standards. And there's no, and everyone wants a quick fix. They want to slap up a firewall or like, you know, run some scanners and, ha but. Uh, the, the reality is it takes a combination of, of security assessment and mammoth re-engineering in order to take legacy software and fix, you know, design problems and, and coding problems. And that's just expensive and time consuming and you get no functionality benefit from doing that. But if yeah. you want secure software, you have to. And that's, that's what I see as really the, the, the most painful and expensive problem in application security today. So how do we how do we avoid keep on putting tactical solution because I see that every day and day people I mean both want to make money both want to introduce new functionality company wants to make money so how do we avoid uh, actually for critical software for critical asset how do we avoid putting yet another tactical solution how do you sell that to a boss like this is a really painful thing but this is something that we have to do you know it's in my my experience companies rarely really want to do application security. They often want to check a box. They want to do some stuff. They want to spend a little bit of investment in it, but it's rare where a company wants to really dedicate themselves to secure software because look, we're to a lot, to a large degree, we're new at this and, mm -hmm. and we're, we're set up to lose because developers didn't learn how to do secure software in school. The languages, the frameworks that we're all using are largely insecure by default. The third-party libraries we depend on is a mammoth security yeah. problem. And things like DevOps, where we, we want to automate security testing, I mean, that's it's, it's not trivial to set that up. And it no. requires a kind of culture change to really move into the world of automated security testing. And even if you do all the best practices in the world, 
you're reviewing for third-party libraries, you're proactively building secure software, you're running every scanner on the planet, you know, you're still going to have problems with business logic and access control, things that the automation right. doesn't find. Then you need to hire pen testers and manual reviewers. And, you know, that's a mixed bag. And just to really do secure software it, with today's technology is expensive. It's time-consuming. It requires a culture change. It requires, you know, maybe changing dates, setting new requirements. It's such a challenging issue and expensive issue. And yet people want to get to market. You know, they want to get functionality out the door. So that's that race to hit a date and that competition to get the most functionality out is often in competition with real security engineering. It's challenging. I, I agree, and I couldn't agree more. That is, is a cultural transformation. Is is looking at the application as a holistic, from a design, build, test, operation, and DevOps is uh, is for me DevSecOps is for me integrating security in all these elements, not just looking at the automation. I mean, for me, DevSecOps is it's just all about people rather than just tools and automation. That's that's what I keep on on spreading. So, what's your take on it? Yeah, it definitely is a major part of all of that just the human element and the, the, the teams and incentives, incentives, trying to put values and, you know, essentially from the view of assets and winning, you know, into developers and, you know, executives' mindsets about why it's important and how much they can save. It's just human nature, how much they'll save, how it'll benefit them usually in monetary terms. Um, I'm not just cynical, I'm honest. No, it's true. And probably on, on that take, I had a really interesting conversation in one of my dev training where I said, how do you make uh, application security a priority? How do you make fixing a, a vulnerability a priority? And somebody from the development team actually came up and saying, do an audit, do external audit so that Effectively, they are linked to, to regulation. They're linked to a monitoring path for the business. The only time where business actually dedicate time to us, to, to give time to us to actually fix a vulnerability. Have you come across stuff like this, Jim? Sorry? Yeah, I mean, we, we see that like in Europe, you have GDPR. You know, we, we, we have several different laws. The strongest one in California around data yeah. privacy. And I think those laws, they're not, they're not perfect. They have, they have plenty of flaws. There's regulations difficult when it comes to regulating privacy and software and, and different IT systems. However, it, it's, these laws are forcing a culture of security onto a lot of companies more than anything else I've seen in the modern mm -hmm. era. And so that's, that's one thing from a, from a legal point of view, which I think is a good thing. The other thing I want to note is that as we move to the clouds, a lot of the cloud software platforms like GitHub there, be, be, there's, it's such a common platform to base development around that a lot of the security testing is being built into these modern platforms. And so, I, and I think those two, it's, these are totally different things, right? We have GitHub yeah. providing like third-party security analysis and, and, and a whole new uh, platform to do testing and reporting on the third-party software world. And just being able to integrate security testing into GitHub as as as, as becoming pretty pretty standard, I think that's a really big deal. So like I can literally spin up GitHub, click a few buttons, and have a relatively DevOps environment from a from a CI/CD point of view and security testing like that. And in in, a, in most companies, setting that up is expensive and painful. So with these yeah. modern 
platforms. I can snap my fingers, click a few buttons, spend a little money, and I get I got this whole testing automation world dialed in. And then and then again, with the, from the other side of the fence, we have these laws uh, around privacy, which are really beginning to force at least some measure of of security engineering as part of those laws. If you if you really want to do data protection properly, and I think. I like those two areas of forward momentum that's going to really encourage more secure software development in the future and and the present day. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. Follow the tag, hashtag AppSecSmart. Definitely. The law is another incentive that often works, similar to, you know, monetary incentives as far as harsh, um, you know, kind of harsh wake-up calls and, you know, incentives that work. Essentially, it's definitely a push. And having, um, you know, cloud security service providers specifically and specific tools for that in addition to certain aspects ingrained within cloud, cloud services, privacy by the des- by design movement in general for that research. So are we going to see, are we going to see more and more uh, automated uh, platform with effectively the CICD and the security library codes, tasks, completely integrated into uh, a single product. So effectively it's a snapping, I deploy my code, I test it and, and, and I check it out. Uh, like, what you have in GitHub. Jim, do you think we're gonna see more and more of those things? I need you to repeat the question, but first I, I got a private message from Gomarl, who's like, why are you sitting there in a crossbow? <laughs> Is someone who attacked you? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a beautiful crossbowman warrior outfit with, a, with my medieval crossbow to really help symbolize the, the struggle we face when dealing with Security in legacy software. That's the symbolism of the outfit I'm wearing, Gamaro. Gamaro, does that help answer your question? Is that a good answer? <laughs> so, so go ahead. Yes, there you go. So go ahead, Francisco. Ask me that question one more time, please. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we go full medieval? How do we go full medieval in a CI/CD pipeline? How do we make it less painful? The question is really: Are we going to see more and more products that have the the security automate well the the, the the security testing completely integrated in the platform like GitHub where all the testing stage are effectively done. It's just a tick in the box or checkbox. Well, well well GitHub for for like individual projects, click click and you have some pretty decent security testing rolled out. And you and I mean every every security scanner I know of, especially in the code security world, tends to integrate tends to in- integrate <laughs> so Ivana would say, do they have treadmills in the Middle Ages? I think they went by different names back then, Ivano. Yes, there is a treadmill. I, I'm trying, trying to keep the weight down, I keep the exercise up. And so, okay, so where, 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 where was I? Where was I? If you're a big enterprise with your own code repository, then 
getting a, a DevOps in, and, and, and Francesco, I really, I really minimize DevOps, DevSecOps to be security automation. That, that, I know there's a culture yeah. and there's people and there's process. No. In my mind, I really reduce all of DevSecOps to let's automate some security testing. That's just, that's just my very subjective take on it. I know it's not, a lot of people don't agree with me. Just bear with me. And if you're, right. if, if you're a big company with lots of different software projects and different repositories, then setting up uh, um, automated security testing is, is non-trivial. And you really yeah. have, to, you have to experiment with it. Like you'll set up a couple tests today and run those through your pipeline and then they may stop the build or be too aggressive. Then you want to pull some tests back or maybe you put some tests in and now the build takes an extra 10 minutes to run. And so maybe you want to dial that back. These tests work good. Let's roll those across more projects. A lot of people want to just buy a DevOps and be done with it. You can't do that. It requires no. a, a professional DevOps engineer, DevSecOps engineer to be fine tuning and, and tweaking the different automation options on a regular basis until you achieve some kind of project stability. One of the biggest anti-patterns I see in the automated, automation security testing part of DevSecOps is when people like just turn a pipeline on and add some security testing and then force all their teams to use it and they think they're done. And that's, that's a big failure. That will stop development really quickly. So it really takes experimentation and the ability to custom, customize tooling and customize rules for individual tools across every project. And that's, that's again, that's time consuming and that's, that's expensive and time consuming, right? It's non-trivial. Yeah, yes. but no, I, I, I agree and I disagree with you on, on one side. I think DevSecOps is, is, is more than that. It's also educating, it's also on the education side and especially on, on I mean, I've, I've, I've seen projects where they developed and they had like security automation and that's it. They went away and that's it. And I said, well, what about how, how people are going to use those results or how, how they know what to fix and how to fix it? So it's so the education part. I, I, was, I was talking to one of the heads of Netflix application security and they were like, we don't want to do security. We don't want to teach our developers about secure, general security principles. We just want to, we have so much in our framework. We just want to teach them how to do, how to fix, how to use our framework properly. And, and that's enough. And, and that, that really, that kind of like horrified me. And it, to this yeah. day, it still horrifies me in that, in that a, a, a company will not commit to wanting to really teach developers about security. They just want to like, they think that they can automate everything, put it in the framework, and developers can just go ahead and write code and, and they get security. I don't think that's really possible in the modern era. I know Netflix is a real mature company. They do a lot of great work in, in that area, but I mean- It's in, challenging. In my experience, yeah, nobody can just write code and have the world of automation protect them. It does require, no, it also, does require it knowledge, also, especially around the, the I agree. domain and similar. And for me, it's, it's also for a commitment to the, 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 the organization as a whole, to the, the humanity as a whole, that companies that have the money to actually educate developers about doing security should do so. Because then we, we create a generation of developers that are more, with a more security mindset. So if you're an enterprise, you can actually invest in, in making the world a little bit better. If you're a small enterprise, you can't afford application security training because it's expensive. And OWASP is, is a good, I want to touch on OWASP and all the good material because a lot of the folks out there don't know 
don't know how much material is out there like ASBS, like the top 10, like uh, the, the, the dependency checker, all, all the stuff that OSP has done that, that could take application security a step forward even if you don't have uh, if you don't have a big bucks or a big budget to actually spend on, on tooling. I wish I had a threat model as easy as Netflix to begin with. Like, come on, popping a Netflix account is not is not the worst of <laughs> worst of. But of they they, they had it easy on one end. They had it easy because they started on a tech stack that is quite modern, so they can they can start from there. But for example, on the finance industry where I operate a lot, we still yeah. have COBOL and TLC. Exactly. How the heck do you do application security in COBOL? And and I'm doing application security in COBOL, and is 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 dialing back 15 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> like no legacy, it's pre-legacy. I can see the C and C plus plus legacy, but not COBOL. I can see the COBOL almost prehistoric, but we still have a lot of that stuff. I almost consider Java to be legacy these days in in the advent of yeah. new, new languages. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's like the new the new C plus plus to some degree. Yeah, no, I agree, and and it's, it's complex and cumbersome, and it's not as modern. And and you you've been you've been all over Java, right? Yeah, past. I'm a fan of Java. I know I, I still use it in different projects, but it's um, it's uh, yeah, I I put it, it it's maybe legacy is not the right word, but it's it's, it's become a legacy. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's like it's growing gray hair. <laughs> Java is growing great. Salt and pepper, salt and pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Java is sexy. Most every company has some Java out there. It's like we have a bunch of standard frameworks in it. There's, it's, it's part of the Android ecosystem as well. It's legacy is not the word. It's just everywhere. It's just, it's, it's become like a pretty, a pretty standard language. It's been around since the late nineties. Java 1.0.2 was around in 1997 on Netscape 3. And so it's just been around for a long time. And there's a lot of old Java that companies depend upon that, that's difficult to secure. It's difficult to remediate. Yeah. Java is like uh, pineapple on pizza. That's for us Italian, it's really blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're saying pineapple on pizza is blasphemy? Yeah, for Italian, oh. it's like. You may never go like to Hawaii. You are banned. Yes, but do you know who you're talking to? Loco Moco said. I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm pulling your legs. <laughs> Ivano, you can oh have ham and pineapple pizza. Is Hawaiian pizza. It's the pizza. I've, I've lived in Hawaii for 20 years. So you may not go to Hawaii. I'm sorry. You're banned now. Unless you try pineapple I, I, pizza. I'm, and- fine with, I'm fine with it. It's, uh, you know. It's an abomination that I said. Okay, let's let's not start a religious war. <laughs> I like, my favorite. My favorite. I like to get a nice. I like a cheese pizza, and I like to have a little ketchup and mustard that I can dip my pizza into. Yes. That's my. And jalapenos. Oh, I know you like you like the hot <laughs> stuff, so you don't. She like eats handfuls of hot peppers for fun. I drink hot sauce. I'm gonna join one of those contexts. I'm gonna make mad money. Secure code and survivable hot sauce drinking. <laughs> like the hot stuff. Yes, yes. Otherwise, I don't feel alive. Um. Yeah, we should do, we should do upsec and, and, and red pepper or, or like cayenne pepper. And, and All of the above, ghost go, pepper. The, the, more, ghost the, more, pepper. The, more, the more legacy you go, the more legacy you go, the hotter the sauce becomes. Here you go. Ah, I like this. 
We're going to make this a standardization. Yeah, let's do a CPF with hot sauce. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go back to pizza for a sec. So, Ivano, I'm I'm of Sicilian descent. I'm 100% Sicilian, otherwise known as the only real Italians. So, but let's just let's just stop there. So Ouch. Yeah, before I'm controversy. Okay, okay. I'm the mediator among ignorant Americans. Anyone north of the boot is pretty much German in my mind. Sicily is yeah. real Italy. And we Sicilians, we have Sicilian pizza. It's kind of like a thicker pizza, usually a lot of meat on it, and sometimes even fish on it, and a little, a very, very spicy sauce, a little less focus on the cheese. That's, that's, a, that's how my family cooked pizza, and it was, it's delicious. That's real Italian pizza. And, like, and again, let's sum it up again. The only real Italians are south of the boots. Like Sicily is real Italy, and everything north of that is pretty much Germany. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass in that. Probably the best argument would be that uh, pizza in general is savory. If you put pineapple in it, it becomes a cake. So. <laughs> well, you can put pineapple and jalapeno. I like They're a lot. Not mutually jalapeno. exclusive. Okay, Every, everyone can make their own pizza. Right, <laughs> right, right. We are diverse. We are for diversity. We open for diversity, so but there is no drama. drama. Pizza. We want drama <laughs> and uh, toxic uh, uh, masculine pizza. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> well, Zoe probably can can eat as spicy stuff uh, under the table, so let, let's not yeah. let's not start a competition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I win automatically. You're welcome. I saved you. Even though we can start a whiskey competition and then, then we can see who drinks who under the table. Okay, okay, Francesco. Yeah, I know Zoe, right? Chocolate, beer, whiskey, and hot peppers for breakfast. Now we're talking. Oh, God. <laughs> that would yes. be sick for weeks. <laughs> I, I oh that God. by 11 a.m. <laughs> Let's get back to application security. Yes. Right, right, right. Let's get it sidetracked really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it works, it works. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com. 